inspire. As a leader amongst women, one of my things I try to be as proud as I can about is, is being vulnerable and showing them how you deal with life. It isn't always a great day, but you can, it's about how you approach it. Here's your host, Kristen Balboni. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast presented by Atrium Health. This is a podcast series for Panthers fans that highlight admirable women across the Carolinas as they share their stories and lessons from their lives and careers. I'm Kristen Balboni, the Panthers team reporter, and today I am honored to be joined by Coach Jen Hoover, the head coach of the Wake Forest women's basketball team. Coach Jen, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time. Oh, I appreciate being here. We appreciate having you. I I know that Wake Forest and Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist have a strong relationship. And so we are just so thrilled that you can join us for this Atrium podcast. And I'm excited to talk to you because I, before, you know, working for the Panthers, I covered college athletics for a number of years. And I just have so much admiration for what you and all college coaches do. So I, I really am looking forward to this. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, asking me apart. I, you know, I love kind of talking about um, our team and the pr- privilege I have to just be a be a leader amongst women and uh, in the state of North Carolina, which I think is you know the best state out there and uh, with a lot of great athletes and athletic programs across the board. So excited to be here today. Thank you. And I'm biased too. North Carolina is the state that I grew up in, although I've moved all around and very happy to be back. But you know, I got to ask you since we are a Panthers podcast, and as you said. North Carolina being such a great state have have we made you a Panthers fan or do you root for the team uh, I do root for the for the home team uh when would I you love have college time? sports like yeah I mean I am college football all day long anytime and then I like to follow our deacons so any of our former deacons that are playing in the NFL I kind of try to follow where they where they end up and um and try to stay in close contact but I do have a staff member that is a die hard Carolina Panthers fan Dane Sparrow he's been on my staff for nine years he grew up in Charlotte so I am always up to date on what they're doing and how they're doing. Well, you'll have to tell him I said keep pounding. I love to hear that. <laughs> let's yes, let's talk. Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about you though. Um, as you said, you've you've got this uh, just incredible role as the head coach. You were an incredible player at Wake Forest. When did you know after your playing career was over that coaching was something that you wanted to do? You know, I, when I played in high school, I had kind of felt like I wanted to be a high school coach. So when I mm-hmm. came to Wake, I had thought about majoring in education and going back and being a teacher and a, and a coach. And I think it was more so because it was just it was all I knew. I had grown up as an athlete and played all kinds of high school athletics as far as volleyball, basketball, played rec league of everything. But then when I got to college and then played in college and got to see what my college coach did and, you know, the the ins and outs of what a, running a college program was or the, you know, from a player's perspective, I then had kind of decided that, no, I think that's the path I wanted to make. But I definitely wanted to go play pro and see if um, I could be a professional basketball player and if I could move out of the country and be away from my family that fall, that long because part of coming to Wake was how close-knit and connected everyone is at Wake Forest and you're in this family and I grew up in a very tight close-knit family so my experience playing overseas was very hard uh, I went for a year played in Sweden uh, it's probably one of the best things I needed to do for myself to just make me realize I could make it on my own that I have 
I got homesick. I couldn't call mom and dad and they could be here to take me to dinner. And when I was awake, they would do that. So when I was in Sweden, that wasn't the case. And I, you know, I had a great experience playing my one year pro over there. But when I got back, I knew that I wanted to get into coaching. And so I, uh, I ended up uh, at the final four in Richmond when that other team down the road in North Carolina <laughs> ended up winning the national championship. We won't mention any names, <laughs> but, um, and I happened to run into a former coach who had recruited me and who had coached me at five-star basketball camps and was really instrumental in part of my development met David Glass and he was the head coach at UMKC. And he just, you know, what are you doing now? And I had told him, you know, I think it's time to hang the sneakers up and, and pull out a whistle. And, you know, within a month he called and offered me a graduate assistant position. And kind of, as they say, you know, from there, it, it you know, that's, it, it's just been an ongoing, uh, wonderful experience and a lot of amazing stops along the way. I want to ask you about your time playing overseas. Uh, I w- had a, the great fortune at a previous job to do this, these sit down with these incredible women athletes, one of which was Shanae Ogumake, uh, one of which was a, a volleyball player, USA volleyball player, Rachel Adams. And they talked about the fact that a, a lot of women professional athletes have to go overseas in various sports. Um, and it can be, as you said, you, you described your ex- experience as, as hard. It can be great and yeah. you learn a lot about yourself. But I remember Rachel Adams talking um, about the language barrier and you have to make friends with your teammates. And sometimes your, the te- your teammates don't speak the same language and you're really alone. And I was just wondering what that experience was like for you in a little bit more detail and what you learned from it, because it is such a formative, difficult experience, no matter how great it is at the end, I'd imagine. Yeah, it it was, like I said, it was probably um, one of the most instrumental things that I did for my overall development um, and just growing up but also one of the most difficult things I'd ever done. Uh, I had never been more than two hours away from home. I grew up in a family with mom, dad, older brother, older sister. And when any of us did anything, all of us did it. So my brother had a football game. We all went. If we went to eat, we all went. If my sister had a, you know, we, we just were that close knit. We're very Christian based family. And, you know, we just had. And so when I came to wake, I felt like that I had that family still. And so all of a sudden um, I decided I was going to go try this overseas. And so when I, when I was talking to the agent, I ended up picking and using and trying to figure out where I wanted to go. The things that mattered to me where I wanted to go somewhere where I knew I could be comfortable. Um, I wouldn't stick out like a sore thumb. I wouldn't have such a language barrier that I, I couldn't communicate with people because I am a people person. I couldn't sit in my room mm. and just go to practice and come back. And like, I got to be able to talk to people. Um, my daughter would jokingly tell you I could talk to a wall for an hour <laughs> if I need to. So that for me, like it, I had some choices of like China and, and some other places and it was, and for a lot more money, but I've never been, it's, I've never been driven by the money. It's more of what I know I was going to be comfortable in and where I could thrive. And so when we picked my, the country I went to, I went to Sweden, partly because it was a very, um, most of the people there could speak English, especially the younger, my age group and younger could speak English. Now the older, the older people didn't really speak English. Um, coach mostly spoke in, in Swedish. Mm-hmm. And when he said something in English, I knew it was at me, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So if I was going to get yelled at, it was going to be in English, but um, it was a challenge because you have these amazing group of women and the club sports overseas and women's basketball. Anyway, they ranged in, Myself, who was 21 at the time, had just graduated from Wake. I had another American that was, I think she was 22. And we had one other young lady that was from Yugoslavia that was a pro that was young as well. And then we had 
you know, a 32 year old, a, a, a 28 year old, we had all these professional women that had jobs that they worked during the day. And then they played on this pro team at night. Um, and so we worked out twice a day as Americans, because we didn't have a job. So I, I had an individual workout in the morning and had weights and that stuff. And then we would come back for team practice in the evening. And so it was a chance to play with grown women, if you will, um, that isn't any kind of simulation here in the United States until now the WNBA. And when I came out, the WNBA had not, had not come up, come about. It was a couple of years. It was actually the year after I came back, I think mm. was the year that it ended up opening. And, and, you know, I think that's such a great opportunity now, but you know, the first day getting on the plane, I mean, I talked to my mom five times the first day. And I mean, I don't, I don't know if I was talking, I was crying five times to the first day mm. about, I can't believe. And what saved me and again, probably why I picked Sweden was what they did is the this the CEO of the company, the GM of the club I went with, he and his family had four kids and they had all spent a year in the States as, as exchange students. So they offered to take me in and let me be basically an exchange student. So I'd live at their house. Um, I would, you know, help be, be around the house all the time. And then I would still play on the team and, and their youngest daughter played on the team. So that's what saved me. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have made it or not if I, if I hadn't had that opportunity, but it ended up being just a great opportunity to, you know, really experience the way someone lives outside of the United States to open my eyes to different cultures. And then now as a coach, I have been able to welcome international players here and kind of understand yeah. what they're going through a little bit because of my experiences, but it's one that, you know, and I still stay in touch with that family. Um, the mother was, you know, she was a, an extraordinary cook. So we spent a lot of time just talking in the kitchen. I didn't cook at the time at all. Um, and her English was very broken. Um, but when I left, you know, it was a very emotional leave. It was like a child leaving. And it was like, I was leaving a second mom and I still call her my second mom. So, you know, a lot of good things came out of it and, and I'm glad I did it. And, and I think when I, when I made the decision to do that, a lot of people are like, she's not going to do that. She's not going to make it over there. And, and it was one of those things I wanted to say, I, I tried it. I did it. Now, jokingly, I say, if I'd have gone to a warm country, cause I love the beach and I love <laughs> like, Greece, you know, Portugal maybe, but you know, Sweden was very cold, very dark, very, but beautiful and very luxurious. So that's, that's amazing. And I, I've always wondered, and I've never had a chance to ask anyone when you go to practice in and the practice is, is led in a in a different language primarily. What's that like? Are you just relying on your 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 skills, your knowledge of ball? Do they kind of put you where you need to be? How does that work? Well, you, you really rely on most of the coach. Like he could speak English, so he would say like the general stuff. He would give instructions, and then teammates. Because again, yeah. most of that age group within our team frame. So you had a teammate that would always be telling you kind of what if if they could tell you, or if he if they if the coach was struggling to say something in English, they would almost translate. Translated mm. instead. Uh, my coach would say a lot of double negatives. You know, he'd be like, you can't not go rebound or whatever. And, <laughs> and the girls would just laugh and give him a hard time. And so it was kind of a thing for the, the team to really take on ownership as well of helping you know, it's almost like we ask our players, you know, when you have freshmen come in, they just don't know their eyes are wide open. They're like deer in headlights, like what's coming next. And we ask our upperclassmen to do so much with just helping them, you know, let them know it's okay to not be okay today. Like it's okay when you have a bad practice, it's okay. And so it's kind of that same, same thing, but on a professional level. So it was, you know, I definitely had to rely on, um, and especially me, the family I ended up living with the teammate that I lived with did a lot of, you know, you know, I would, I, on the ride home from practice, I sometimes would be like, all right, what was he 
saying here or, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Now, when we, when we got Elisa Pena here was an Italian kid that graduated several years from, for, for us, she flew in and met us in December 26th in, in Miami. Cause we were playing in a tournament on the 28th. And I remember telling our players, cause she practiced with us on the 26th and the 27th and then played in the 28th, you know, she isn't going to understand a lot you guys got to do it right. So if we're doing a drill, we're doing something, she could just watch. And basketball is a universal language. Mm. Like if you know it, you know, shoot, rebound. So there is a lot of it that's just, you know, your basketball, um, your, your career and what you know about it kind of helps you along kind of figure things out. It's, it's incredible. I love hearing those stories. And, you know, especially for uh, the players that go overseas. I think we all oh. know it. Yeah, I think we all know it. You know, what's, but then there's all these little things of like, gosh, like you weren't even getting your game plan in, in your native language, right. all those kinds of things. So then um, when you eventually decide you want to go into coaching, I know that you went to a, a bunch of different schools, climbing the ladder, uh, moving around the country, uh, Cal, VCU, Memphis, just to name a few. I've moved around the country uh, a few times for my job. And so I always love to ask people who have been through something similar because it's it's hard, right? You started I and mean, you did that in Sweden and then you come back. And for someone who, like you said, was very close to their family, right. your job to get to the next level, I imagine, requires moving and taking the next best opportunity. So so how was all of that for the years in which you were growing and, and moving? You know, it was it was a lot of fun when you look back on it now. And, and you and you I think, again, my experience in Sweden allowed me to come back. I came back home. I, I spent a year living at, back at home working kind of part-time. My mom worked at a furniture factory, just doing data entry, that kind of stuff. And I also toured with Athletes in Action. And they, at the time, um, did a preseason exhibition tour. This was when college teams could play international teams and the Athletes in Action. We played like 18 games in a 25-day period. Wow. And then we also went to Australia in the spring for a two-week period. And so I was still playing and very active, but at the same time, it was definitely that transitioning of, it was kind of almost the farewell tour of, of the basketball part for me. Um, but that allowed me again to see like, you know, I always say basketball has opened up so many opportunities for me personally to see the world, yeah. um, to meet across the United States, but also, you know, not only in Sweden, but we went to Italy and we went to London. We, we played in a lot of different places, but even in the United States, I had really only lived in Virginia and had never really, you know, we traveled here and there for tournaments, basketball tournaments mostly, but, you know, to go and live in Memphis, to go and live out in Berkeley, I'd never lived on the West coast when I lived in, in uh, Northern California, when we were at Cal Berkeley, um, you know, I would say as a single person trying to climb the ladder, it was a lot of fun. It was always an adventure. It was exciting to go to a new place, learn about a new university, you know, I had only been at Wake. Um, and so when I got to go and experience some other universities, it really made me appreciate where I was <laughs> and what I wanted to get back to. Um, you know, I, I jokingly say all the time, very biased, but I think this is the best place I've, I've been by far of any of the places. And I was at some pretty great places and met some great people along the way um, and made my little families along the way. Yeah. As I got older and got married and had a child, it got more difficult to make those moves. Um, we moved to California when my my daughter was one, uh, she was probably two, actually, we decided to drive cross country, my husband and I, that was part of the adventure. We, we had a two year old and we had a 125 pound Mastiff 
um, named Buckus. And we just couldn't imagine putting him under the airplane. Yeah. So that was what drove the drive across country was the dog. Um, most people thought we were crazy. You're going to take a two-year-old and a dog and drive across country. One of those things that was, you know, check it off the bucket list. We have driven from coast to coast. Uh, we had a blast. We had a good time. It was, um, you know, it was something we look back and remember we went through like Laramie, Wyoming. I don't know whenever I would have gone through Laramie, Wyoming. And, um, and, and both the dog and Maggie were great on the trip. And, you know, my husband and I got to see parts of the world we'd never seen. And so it, we, you found a way, like it was harder as a family, but as a family, when we moved out to the West coast, I think a lot of people were surprised that would take in a job on the West coast, but I loved it out there. You know, I had my husband with me. I had my daughter with me. We had our dog. <laughs> um, and then my parents came out and spent, they, it was probably hardest on them because my daughter is their only grandchild. And so all of a sudden their grandchild's way that far away. So they came out and visited quite a bit. Um, you know, we, we faced a lot of adversity with, uh, when I was out there, my father got ill and was diagnosed with lung cancer. And he came out and, and we fought that while, while I was there. And so, you know, life happened. It, it, it you know, it's going to happen. And, you know, I think as a, as a leader amongst women, one of my things I try to be as proud as I can about is, is being vulnerable and showing them how you deal with life. Like it, 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 it isn't always a great day. Um, but you can, it's about how you approach it and how you choose to do that. And, and that, that team was so supportive when I was going through, my dad died right as I was at the, right before I left Cal, the team and the staff, Joanne Boyle were phenomenal being supportive of, um, and then one of those players lost her dad several years later. And so there's just so much that you experience together and you share it with them and they learn, they see how I can be a basketball and be successful and be a coach and be gone from my family. But I can also be a wife and a mom and I mean, everyone that knows me or follows me on social media knows that, you know, the sun rises and sets on my daughter, Maggie. Um, and she's around this team as much as she can be, but I'm also very much, you know, traveling and doing what I have to do for, for us to be successful. What was the balance that you found, especially when your daughter was young? And as you mentioned with, with your dad going through his illness, I know how all encompassing college athletics is right. and being a coach. And, you know, I imagine that if you're like the other college coaches I've met, you could be in the building until two in the morning and then back in at seven. So where did all of that fit in? Was basketball kind of separate for you despite everything you had going on at home? How did you prioritize? You know, I've always tried to tried to mesh them, I'll say. Um, luckily, my husband was a basketball coach, so he knew what he was getting into. And I would say that's probably why we've been able to do what we've done as long as we have, because if someone that doesn't understand what basket, what what a coach does and, 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 I, and a lot of my outside family, you know, what do you do all summer? You know, you guys are off the summer, right? And, and so do you laugh? Married to yeah. Summer, yes. <laughs> like, really? Being married to someone that knew and kind of got that and gets how important recruiting is and the time. And the other thing that was really important for both John and I was we didn't want someone else raising our daughter. And so as much as I can be involved, I'm involved. And if not, he's doing it. And it's not a babysitter and it's not now my mom and dad helped a lot. When we moved to Memphis for the year, they moved in with us to Memphis. Um, she was born in Virginia. And then we moved shortly to Memphis. They moved into Memphis with us. And John was on the staff. He was our director of operations while I was the associate head coach. So we had to have somebody that could be there all the time. And so, again, we just kind of found a way to make that work. Um, I, I like to 
you know, have family around as much as possible. Like I said, Maggie loves it. She's got 15 big sisters every year. Uh, she cries as much as, as some of them when, when, on, when senior day and senior nights and graduation, sometimes those are really, really hard on her because she, you know, she sees her big sister leaving. But then she finds another one and there's another big sister. And, you know, I think teaching her, you know, just the things you learn being a part of a team on how, how to, how to get along with people that aren't like you, people that don't come from the same background. They might have single parent, they might be, um, you know, different economic, socioeconomic, different race. It's, it's just teams are so great at what they do, how a group of individuals come together for not only one mission here, but our mission is not only just to win games. Our mission is to, you know, to win in life, build leaders. And we have, we deal with phenomenal young ladies here that I am glad my daughter gets to be around every single day. So, um, you know, it's, 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 kind of figuring out how to do them both. And, and my daughter's very active now that she's, she's a 10th grader. It's actually gotten harder the older she's gotten with what I end up missing of hers. Um, when she was little, she went everywhere with mommy. So she didn't miss anything. And I got to take her recruiting and, and I worked for Debbie Ryan at UVA. And, and she actually insisted that I bring her into the office once a month when she was a baby. So I had to pack and play in my office and I brought her once a month, once, once a week, not once a month, once a week. And we, and she would just be at the office with us. You know, I, I I'm very privileged because I've worked for people all through my career career that put family first, but also had a high expectation and standard for what we were going to do as a basketball team. And I saw that you you didn't have to give one up for the other, Mm -hmm. that you can, you can kind of do both at a very high level. And, and it's, it's a lot of it's because of people I worked for and, you know, the integrity part and the family values and, you know, the it's God, faith and and basketball and books. That's what we tell our players. It's faith, basketball and books, the family, like those are our four priorities, you know? And, and so it's, it's a lot of fun. It, It is, there's days that you don't ever feel like you've worked a day in your life. And then there's days that you're, you know, when, when do I get to go home? (laughs) When you got offered uh, the job to come back to Wake Forest as the head coach, what were your emotions? You're, you know, one of the best players to play there inducted into the Wake Forest Hall of Fame. And I imagine a lot of pressure, but something tells me that that you were like, yes, let's do this. And and didn't worry about, you know, any expectations or pressure. Yeah, it it was the hardest part for me when I got, when the job opened was I had just been the head coach at High Point for, it was about my 12th month. I just completed a year. We'd had a great year, loved my kids um, and really believed in them. And, and we were rolling. And then, and my dream job opened. And the hardest part for me was I was like so excited and oh my gosh, this 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 dream could come true. And I'll be honest, it took me 20 years to get my first head coaching job. You know, I had had some interviews along the way and along those steps and and hadn't been offered them and um and knew that you know God had a plan. And it was probably one of the lowest points in my in my life because we'd lost my dad in March of 2011. Um And then in April, I had flown home from the West Coast for his memorial service, Maggie and I, and High Point had called me to interview me that while I was home for his memorial service, I actually got offered the job when I was the day I was supposed to be flying back, we were supposed to be flying back. And we called my husband and said, you know what, you need to pack the house and bring it. We're not coming back over there. He thought we were going to drive cross country again. But (laughs) with a five year old, I had no desire. (laughs) You're like, we did it once. and I had a head coaching job that I was like, I got to get to know my players. I got to get on the road recruiting. I got it. And so he, again, rock star husband, got the house packed up. He goes, now, don't be worried if all the kitchen doesn't come, which he does the kitchen anyway. So that wasn't a concern for me. But all of that to say that then 13 months later, my dream job was open. And, you know, my AD at High Point was a Wake Forest guy, uh, Craig Kylitz. And I remember him calling and saying, do you want me to call over and see if your name's in it? And a lot of ADs wouldn't have been supportive of that. I mean, I, I had signed a, 
I don't know if it was a four or five year contract. And this was after year one, he, you know, he made a call. Next thing I know, you know, I was super excited about it. My husband and I were going out to eat the night we got the call from Wake Forest. And, you know, I was so happy and excited, but at the same time, I had this gut wrenching feeling about having to tell those kids at high point that I was leaving them. And that's the hard part because I'm a relationship person and it's not easy to switch jobs. Um, and, and it's, but, but they understood cause they knew like this was where I went to school and, and some of them would have loved to have been recruited or have come to Wake Forest. And many of them wanted me to bring them with me, <laughs> but you know, I couldn't do that to, to high point either. I love Nito Cobain and high point university. And one of my assistants actually got named the head coach there and she's since moved on. But, um, you know, yeah, there was, I didn't, I didn't think of it as pressure and what it was. I'm, I'm ready to take to go back to wake and, and come home, but not just to come home. I want to win championships. I want to win an ACC championship. I want to go to a final four. I want to win a national champ. Like why not us? Why not? And I I've always believed that wake has what it takes. And we have seen these unbelievable new facilities that have just put us on another level. And, you know, I, I since then it has been, you know, it has not come without its lumps. You know, I'm going into year 10 and, you know, I thought year three, we should be winning an ACC championship. That's the competitor in me. Right. And it didn't go that way. You know, we've had to really build it from the foundation up and, you know, some great coaches went along before me and laid some of the brick and we just had to lay a couple more layers. And we finally kind of have, have, taking some more steps, but this league is brutal. You know, it doesn't get any easier. And, but that's what you sign up for. You sign up to come to Wake Forest. You're signing up to play against the best and to get the best education you can get. So it's, uh, you know, these young ladies, I, I envy them because yeah, I walked in their shoes, but it was a different, different pair of shoes back then. Mm. It's way different now. And uh, so proud of what they do day in and day out and the way they present themselves um, in, in, in a tough situation, in a tough environment all the time. And that's one thing that I don't think gets talked about enough when it comes to college coaches, as you said, with, with Wake Forest especially being such a great school and providing such a great education. You know, our head coach here at the Panthers, Matt Rule, is a former college coach, and I've had the opportunity to talk to him about the differences between college and the pros. And he said, you know, there's some things that are way easier in the NFL because of all the things that you're responsible for as a college coach. You really are. You're a teacher. You're, uh, you are in charge of these uh, young women, in your case, young men in his. And there are so many things that you've got to be on top of and look out for and be there for them if they need something. Right. So how do you uh, approach all of that, the part that goes beyond just coaching on the court and, and really your other responsibilities as the head coach of the program? Right. Well, I, I will tell you, like the most important part for us is at Wake, we, we don't coach players, we coach people. And it is people and it's getting to know these young ladies. And, you know, it doesn't matter what play you run. If, if you don't take the time to really develop relationships and know what each young lady's, you know, what they want to do and what drives them and what their fa- what's going on with their family. I don't know how you can coach kids without that because that's all I've ever done. Um, and so, I, I you know, he, he's right. Like, I feel a daily responsibility that these are my daughters and you know what's going on in their lives and what's hard right now it's okay it's going to be hard but here's all the resources you have to get through that and the and the coaching parts yeah that's the fun part getting on the court and and putting a play in and running a drill and but so much of what we do is more of the people part like you know again what are you know what how much are we investing in our players and I have a phenomenal staff because I couldn't do it by myself it takes a village and you have to have in that staff other people that have those same philosophies that know and feel that that same thing like our goal is to push our kids but it's to push them with love um, at all times and and I think you know it 
the hard part for me is, you know, the papers, the paperwork and the meetings and, you know, just trying to get all that and then have time. Like if a kid walks by my office to just shut down whatever you're doing and spend 10 minutes, what's going on? How's mom and dad? You went to, you went to Florida this summer. What, how was the trip? You know, and that part is what I love. And so, you know, it's, it's, again, it's the staff you surround yourself with to help with all that. But, you know, I think recruiting is such a big part of what we do and Wake Forest is such a fit school. Not every player is going to succeed and thrive at Wake Forest. And we have to vet that out in the recruiting process early. Who's a Wake kid. And there, you know, and, and there's no, who is a Wake kid. It's a kid that's the academics matter you know, that they uh, have ambitions to be a pro. They might not be a pro right now, but they have ambitions to be a pro. They want to be a part of something really special. They want to be a part of a family, you know, and all of those things kind of have to line up, not to mention they have to have the talent, but you know, that's the part they have to love the game. Um, and, and because what we do is work together so much um, that you have to love what you're doing. And cause there's going to be hard days and there's going to be great days. And I tell people all the time, like, the kids that we are privileged to coach make the, the bad days better and the good days great. Uh, when we lose a tight game, I hurt for them as much as anything. But the next day when they come into my office and they're smiling, I'm just happy to see them. Or, and I don't know that everybody, you know, maybe everybody is that way. Some people might be mad at them for the game last night. But, you know, I just think that's the approach that we really try to. It's a people. It's, it's you know, a teacher, a mentor, a coach, a mom, you know, assist, whatever you want to call it. Like I, we called Coach Dane. He's kind of their big brother, had been their big brother a lot. So. You know, we do correlate a lot of the family kind of things to what we do here at Wake. Earlier this year in March, when you became the winningest coach in Wake Forest history, did that hit you? Uh, You seem like someone that lives in the moment and is all about the present and is like, okay, on to the next. But did you take a moment to soak that in, especially considering that it's your alma mater? You know, I didn't even really know that it was coming. (laughs) Um, Coaches and players say those things all the time. It's amazing to me. I I love Um, that, though. Yeah, I I didn't. All I knew was our first game in the ACC tournament and I knew we needed to win <laughs> and we love to play in Greensboro. We happen to really love to the, the rivalry we have against the team we played. The, um, the one down the road, um, as and, you said earlier. Yeah, that, yep. <laughs> you know, the blue school down the road. Um, and, and I just knew that for these, that group of young ladies, everything we'd put in and given up for COVID and our team went through the entire year and didn't have a single quarantine test, wow. anything. They gave so much up and they had such an attitude of gratitude about everything we did. They were so grateful to come to practice because they got out of their room. They didn't have to be on a Zoom class or anything. So it was all for me, it was all about, you know, our game plan. And and then we got rolling in that game and it was a lot of fun. And then when we went back to the locker room, John Curry's in there. And I thought that was a little bit strange at first. (laughs) And, you know, and then they were like throwing water and dancing. And and so, you know, again, it was because of the people you share it with. Um, And then when you think about it now, you know, it's, it's both, an, an honor, but there's so many people that were part of every single one of those wins and they haven't been easy. And, you know, it's, it's something that I, I, I don't know if I really understand, like, you know, I, I wish we would have had a lot more of those wins by now. And, and that's the big thing for me now. And that, I guess that's the coach speak in me is uh, the next win's even more important than that one. Like I'm worried about Mercer. They're the first team on our schedule. So let's go. <laughs> 
Well, Coach Jen, this was a. I, I feel like I could talk to you all day long, but I know how busy you are. This was just an absolute pleasure to get to spend this time with you to to hear about your experiences. And I got to say, the one thing I really took away from it, I took away a lot of things, but just how much you give credit to the people around you and how much you rely on the people around you at every stop, um, in order to in order for you to be able to do what you do and and also to to give the best opportunity for the young women that you coach. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. I loved it. Love to talk a lot. So <laughs> me too. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very privileged to get to do what I do. And, I, and again, I, I think it's um, partly just being a part of an amazing group and an amazing family. And so both on, on the court and here and, and my family at home. So we I appreciate you inviting me and um, go Panthers. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much.